Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined myself and Joe as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed-up world. And did you know 2022 is the 60th anniversary of the start of the Second Vatican Council? Woohoo! So, <laughs> can you have any less enthusiasm about I that? Love, no, <laughs> I, that was I, that was as much as I can muster. I love Vatican too. Okay, good. All right, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> there's been tons of articles and things written about Second Vatican Council, and uh, a lot of people have blamed it for all the troubles in the church in the world today. A lot of people have seen it as uh, the only thing that saved the church in today. But I just want to f- we want to focus in this episode about something that often gets overlooked that I think is really the core cornerstone of the entire Second Vatican Council. And that is the universal call to holiness, that every human being, regardless of your priest or laity, are called to live a life of holiness. Now, I'm a priest, and you're studying to be a priest, Joe, so we may not be the best people to talk about the role I of st- laity. I'm still a laity. You are still a laity. Not a lady. No. But a laity. Just a laity. A laity. Although I do get called father with increasing frequency. That's a good sign. Well, because I wear a cassock. Got to get used to it. Yeah. Well, that's fine with me. <laughs> but the universal call to holiness is something that's... Um, Really, I don't think it's been spoken about nearly enough after the Second Vatican Council. In fact, mm-hmm. I remember one time when I was a deacon, I was I got assigned to a parish in inner city Baltimore, and the other deacon took me out for lunch. We just wanted to get to know each other. And we started talking, and at the end, he's like, you know, why don't you order dessert? You got to order some dessert. And I kind of joking around with him. I said, you know, I got two goals in life. One is to be a thin priest, and the other one is to be a saint, and I don't know which one's going to be harder. And he looked offended, and he said, ah. I can't believe that you think you can become a saint. How arrogant of you. You think you have what it takes to be a saint? And I was taken aback and I said, whoa, yo, I thought like everybody's called to be a saint. And he kind of just muttered some of the, well, you know. And I was like, wait a second, like you're totally misunderstanding the universal call to holiness. Now, I may not be canonized and more than likely right. I probably won't be, but, you know, we're all called to be saints. Are we not? Yeah, the alternative is that you want to become a priest, you could go to hell. <laughs> so that's a weird it's a weird way to think about it <laughs> right it was the writer leon bloy french writer who said the only true tragedy in life is to not become a saint yeah yeah um it is it was it was i think before the council there was a thought abroad that um you know like holiness was for the priests for the religious sisters for the monasteries you know holiness isn't for people who have jobs right um, and that's wrong. In fact, the the, the early desert, desert fathers they didn't they didn't the, the world thought of them as being so holy that they were in a monastery. They thought of themselves as being so weak that they had to be in a monastery to be holy. Hmm. Um, so 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 that's an interesting way to think about it, right? Um, yeah, like you listener on your way to work or on your way back to work or on your way to drop your kids off at soccer, like you are called to holiness, and not like to be a good person in a vague like you know po- postmodern way, but like to actually be a holy person. That's like. So that's a, how, that's a great distinction. What is the difference between goodness and holiness? Oh boy. Um, well, we all know what goodness is, right? Um, I think we all know, we all recognize good people in our lives and what it means to be a good person, to do good things for others. But I mean, holy, I always think of holiness in terms of the Old Testament, like to be set apart by God for God's purposes, right? So it's mm. like, um, I'm a good person because I help an old lady cross the street and I give to charity and I'm nice to people. That's all. Those are all good things. Um, but are you doing them? Are, are you doing them because you, because you are united to God, because that you because you love Him, want to serve Him, because He's active in you, and you're being Christ to the world? Because that's 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 holiness, right? Right, right. Yeah. There's, there's that great song from Matt Maher, "Lord, I need you." Mm. And there's that line in it: "Holiness is Christ in me." Right. And that ultimately is holiness. Is that is that all of the goodness you do is because of your intimate union with Christ? Right. Yeah. So that's how I would talk about it. Um, 
So how, I mean, how does one in the midst of the world yeah. live a life of holiness? Because um, you're not praying all day. You have, right. So, you have to worry about And it. actually, that's that's an important point, right? So this is something that Francis de Sales did really well, and it was controversial at the time that he was, that he was writing it. But um, not only is it true that all people are called to holiness, but it actually looks different for different people. So if you are a married man, let's say, a married woman, you know, and you have a spouse and a full-time job and kids who rely on you, and you spend six hours a day praying, you're probably actually being irresponsible. And you're actually probably like, like worsening, well, maybe I won't say that, but like, that is not what you're called to. Like, you're not a cloistered monk, mm. right? Like, you are called to provide for your family, to be in the world, to love and support your spouse. You're also called to love God and to pray to him and to serve him, but not in the same way a priest is. Right. Um, you grow holy through your life, through through leading a holy life, which means that if you are an accountant, you're supposed to be a holy accountant, right? If you work in a grocery store, you're supposed to do that in a holy way too. Um, you're supposed to lead a life that that sets you apart from other people. Yes, but it doesn't mean you have to be in a chapel for ten hours a day. Yeah. You can't. You can't be like that person. Can't be right. You can't be Father Joe. Right. If you only pray for ten hours a day, you'd be a crappy parish priest. Because what <laughs> all, you know, like, how would you ever hear a confession or celebrate mass? You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, I as a seminarian, I can't pray ten hours a day. I have class I have to get to. I have to. I have to be. You know, I have other obligations. Like, it's just unfortunately, if, if we want to, we have to be willing to accept that that is not my place in life. Yeah. It's taken me a long time, even as a priest, to to accept that fact because I see people, you know, the great saints like Mother Teresa or Vincent de Paul, and and, and they have such a beautiful charism, right? You know, it's they, they for them holiness was going to serve the poor. For them, holiness was traveling as a missionary, you know, or as being a martyr, whatever holiness looked like for them. And maybe maybe it was very much like Saint Teresa of Lisieux, who felt like. I want to do all these things, but I don't feel called to them. Mm. And so I felt very much like a failure mm. as a seminarian and as a priest because I'm like, well, I'm not spending enough time with the elderly. I'm not spending right. enough time with the sick. I'm not spending enough time with the poor, you know? Right. And, you know, am I am I just doing what I want to do because it's easiest? Right. You know, and the fact that, I mean, my vocation right now is to, you know, to be a pastor and to be a high school chaplain. And so I do a lot of work with youth and families and that, that gives me life and I love it and it's fruitful. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm not doing X. Should I be doing X? But it took me a long time to realize, no, 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 I need to embrace the vocation God has given me right here and not think that I need to do this other thing, which isn't my vocation. Yeah, isn't that just another way of pushing the plow while looking over your shoulder, right? It's like, I, I'm doing, this is what I am feel called to do. I enjoy, enjoy doing it. I'm good at it. It matters in saving souls, but I feel bad that I'm not doing something else. It's like, okay, yeah, that's that's fine, you know, and do that when you can, right? Serve the poor and the elderly, whatever. That's great. But like, God's calling you to a specific thing. Do that thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I guess part of it too was I felt like I like it so much. Is it? Shouldn't yet? I Shouldn't I be doing something that I hate because that's what holiness right. is? Is it? It's not. No, it's right, not. Right. But but I had it's that hard. misunderstanding sure. of what holiness was, thinking mm-hmm. you should be suffering at every moment, right. and then you're holy. That's what God wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But how do you how do you balance that? How do you discern that? Yeah. Right. I do think that's tough. It's hard to when you enjoy the ministry you feel called to. I think it is difficult, and you have to really be aware of your intentions. I find it because I'm kind of the same way. I mean. Um, you know, I, I, f- I feel a strong call to, to youth ministry and that sort of thing, and youth catechesis especially. And it can be hard to separate, like, okay, am I um, worrying about this kid or these groups of kids or whatever right now 
um, because I'm concerned for their souls? Or is it because like there's something in me that I feel like I need to be validated or like I want to be needed or I just enjoy talking to like, what is it? Right. Um, and it's hard and it's hard to, it's a, it's a hard thing to, uh, to come to terms with that you can do a good thing for bad reasons or for not for imperfect reasons. Right. But you know, even, even married people have that same thing in the sense that like, you know, I, I know I've challenged my parishioners to not live self-indulgent lives. But the question is, you know, if you're a father of a family and you want to take your family on vacation, you know, what is self-indulgent? You know, is Disney World self-indulgent? Is Fiji self-indulgent? Like, at what at what length do you say, yeah. this is a legitimate recreation with my family that's going to be really good for them versus I'm wasting my money on things that are not right. yeah. ultimately. And I don't know. You know, that's tough. So holiness is not always as cut and dry as no. it looks like. No, not at all. So, <laughs> so how could you achieve it? <laughs> again, well, I mean, again, I, th- I, th- I think that the starting point has to be you know, um, we're called to be a light on um, a light on a hill, right? Um, so, how by, by your life will people come to conversion? Um, will people know that you're different? Like, do people know that you're different in your workplace? Um, does gossip die at your desk, right? Mm. Like, um, if someone thinks I want to know what's going on with so and so, do they go to you to find out? If so, that's that, that's that's a problem that needs to be worked on, right? Um, when everybody else is, um, you know cutting 15 minutes here or there on their shift are you you know what i mean like so do the things that you have to do well mm-hmm. um with with integrity and, and make them a prayer um so so you're almost saying and, and i want to i want to debate you if you actually are saying this you are saying with saint francis apocryphal he never actually said this preach the no. gospel at all times if necessary use words um no. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's obviously not a thing, a real thing that St. Francis said, because it turns out that he's not actually a Disney movie about Bambi, but he's actually like a pretty, a pretty, a pretty solid guy. <laughs> and he actually spent his entire life preaching with words right. all throughout Italy. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find the talk for a minute while I try to find this quote. Explain your problem with that while I try okay, to find my, quote from that. <laughs> my problem with that ultimately is that if, if your holiness is not countercultural, and if it's just motivated by niceness, you're not going to bring anyone to Christ because right. there's a whole lot of very nice pagans out there. Yeah. Who are sometimes they're nicer than Christian. Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll hold the door for you. They won't judge you. They'll be super friendly and they'll, they'll buy your coffee, whatever, you know, and that's, that's not countercultural. It's more countercultural if you have a large family and are open to life. It's countercultural if you, um, yeah, if you do say to your boss, sorry, I, I have to come in two hours late on Sunday because it's, it's a holy day and I need to come and go to mass and, you know, really, I think until until following Christ costs you something, it's not really a good witness. It's not really an effective witness, I should say. I mean, obviously, we should be faithful to Christ even when it's easy, but when it's difficult to be faithful to Christ and it stands apart from what the modern culture says, that, I think, is what really draws people to kind of question and say, what is it that motivates you to do these things that are so very countercultural? Right. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I can't find the quote I'm looking for, which is aggravating me. But um, the Va- Second Vatican Council's document on the role of lady in the church, which has an awesome Latin name, which I'm going to read now, is um, apost- oh, great. Aposto- Apostolicum Actuositatem. How do you like that? That's, <laughs> that's, that's a great pronunciation. That's one I have to say I have never read. Yeah, uh, it's great. Um, and talks about, yeah, um, is the... F- most basic way you spread the gospel through your life, meaning through the witness of your life to people, like by leading a holy life and calling them to conversion? Yes. Um, does that mean you shouldn't be able to give a defense of your religion? No. Does it mean you should be afraid to share? In fact, does it mean that you um, have an obligation to share your religion with people? Absolutely it does, right? Um, but at a foundational level, right, 
if someone says to you in the workplace, oh, you know, you got to come to church with me on Sunday. It's, you know, it's great. It's so important. It'll, it'll make you a better person. Um, it'll bring you to heaven. You're like, you're the basic, biggest gossip in the office. Um, you know, like you're always late. Right. Um, you're, you're constantly rude to customers. So your right? words have to match your actions. Yeah, absolutely. There has to be, a, there has to be um, an internal integrity there. Right. right? Yeah. But that, I mean, that's hard because all of us fall short. You know, yeah. Even I as a priest, you know, and I know that that lessens the power of the message that we speak. Indeed. Yeah, it does. But um... so then here's a question for you then. So in, in that desire to bring the gospel, which is really is the role of the laity, to bring the gospel to places that priests can't mm-hmm. access, you know, to your business, to your neighborhood, how much should you conform to the culture? Like, should you listen to, um, you know, secular music, watch secular right. TV shows so you can have something to talk about? Should you go out to the bars with the guys? Because that's what everyone's doing yes. in the hopes of... Um, Joe's done lots of bar evangelization in his day. It's important ministry. Absolutely. Um, Knocking a few back with the boys. Yeah, I think that um, it's important to not be weird. Um, There's a a place for the holy fool. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's a a, a great tradition in the church of the person who calls you to conversion because life is such an exciting contradiction that shakes you out from your your sort of stupor or whatever. That's great. Um, People like well-adjusted human beings. So if you're going to be so like zealous that people can't relate to you at all, that's not going to be it, right? Um, I think that'll make you less effective in evangelization. Does that mean that because you want to be like hip and with it, you cuss and drink too much and, you know, um, I don't know. Um, Make the dirty jokes with the guy. Yeah, or like if you're working working somewhere and you want to like bring people closer to Christ, and they're all kind of lifting a little bit of money out of the jar every 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 day. You do it too, so they don't they trust you. No, like you don't you don't sin. You make yourself a sign of contradiction to the world. Um, but yeah, you should be like a. I mean, you, you know, right? Like, how often do you hear people say, "Oh, like it's so nice to have a priest who's like you know young and." you know, is happy and like talk about sports and like, you know, likes to go have like a good meal and play football and also talk about Jesus, right? Like that's a thing that actually is, is meaningful to people's lives. Um, I think that's important. So do you, do you invite the culture entirely? No, right? You call it to conversion where necessary, but you shouldn't embrace the good parts of it. You should be familiar with it anyway. Yeah. That's what I would say. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think, well, I think first of all, you do have to discern yeah. what you're called to, because I think there can be great value in both, in both being a sign of contradiction and in, fitting in but that's the hard thing is to to um to live in the culture and not be you know to live in the world but not be of it and that can be a real challenge because because there's a lot of a lot of gray stuff that you kind of have to deal with right you know hey let's go see this movie well it's rated r and there's some sex scenes but it's you know on the whole it's not a terrible movie i don't know you know and so you kind of um sometimes it's it's it takes a real gift of the holy spirit I think in a real deep prayer life to be able to live in the world and and to evangelize through it as a normal human being. But I think too, God uses whatever gifts and talents you have. Yeah. Like if you're a normal person and you like sports, I mean sports is obviously a good thing, right? So and God's gonna if, use that as and an if people avenue. if people know that you like sports and that you like watching a football game and invite you over to their house to watch it Sunday morning and you say, Oh, actually I can't I'm be going to mass. Well then they, the fact that they know that sports matters to you means they know how much mass matters to you more. That's very true. So that's actually that's also a good thing. Um, yeah, like it's good for people to see that you like normal things to like, because then when they aren't the most important thing in your life, they're like, "Oh wow, like what's more important than his job? Must be something really important, right?" Like, yeah. I wonder what that is. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
So I, I've never read the document that you were referencing, but uh, John Paul II wrote a great letter called Christa Fidelis Laici, which okay. I can actually pronounce. Nice. Unlike you. No. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> My pronunciation was perfect for a Sumerian of three months. I think you had marbles in your mouth. But uh, <laughs> it's not a, it's, it's apostolicum actuacitatum. It's not an easy one. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah, that's more Latin than I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, and Christopher Delis Leitch is kind of like the sequel to that. But it really, I mean, it kind of says the same thing. Like that the role is to sanctify the world. Right. Well, that's the common Christian vocation. Yeah. 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 Which unfortunately has, um, you know, if if lay people really took up that mantle, took up that mission, the world would be flocking to Christ. Because there's the lost souls are not the ones that usually are coming to the doors of our church. The lost souls are the ones that are sitting in the cubicle next to you, have no idea where that happiness is going to come from because he just got divorced from his wife and you know, whatever else is going through. And yeah. Yeah, um, you, you're you're very blessed in that you still, even as a seminarian, you keep a lot of your friends from your former life who are not Christian, or not, um, or not practicing the yeah. faith. And yeah. have, have they, especially you know, when you made that decision to become a seminarian, did that open the door for some conversations? Yeah, and 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 I think at least in one case, something of a, something of a conversion in progress. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Um, can you tell any details of that, or probably shouldn't? <laughs> probably <laughs> shouldn't. Um, In case they tend to right. end up listening. Um, yeah, probably shouldn't. Um, yeah, no, um, you're absolutely right. Um, and this is the thing: it is good to have holy friends. Obviously, um, if the only people you ever meet and interact with are disciples of Christ then like by the def- by definition, you are actually not spreading the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like that requires contact with people who aren't Catholic. Now, in our country, country you're not going to have a problem with that. You're always going to be in touch with people who aren't Catholic. But like... Mm-hmm. I, I, you, could, you could live in your you, bubble. Yeah, you could definitely... Yeah, and, and, but, but that's the point is get out of the bubble, right? I went to um, Steubenville for four years. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like it's good to have friends who aren't super religious in part because it makes you a better evangelist, right? Yeah, well, you understand the mindset of where people come right. from, yeah. But that's it, right? Because it's like um, relation. I I tend to think that in a lot of ways, relationship pre- precedes a real conversion. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if someone trusts you, they will ask you the questions necessary for their conversion. That might be a way that God's going to use you for, to bring someone to conversion. Yeah, and that's, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, and and sometimes I think we can kind of like make it sound almost like, oh, well, like. Yeah, I'm not a preacher, but I just, I'm a good person. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about like living marriage in a way that's radical to today's world. Um, li- li- parenting in a way that makes every other parents say, what is wrong? With, like, what's going on here? This is like, yeah, like yeah you, or even what is wrong with you? Like, yeah, like, like you're taking this, like, like you're taking this seriously. You won't give your kid a cell phone before they're 16. Right, what? right. Like you it's talk crazy. to your kids about pornography so they wouldn't, so they wouldn't use it. Right. Like, like, you know, like it, what we're talking about here is not like a cop out. It's actually much more difficult in some ways than, than the ministerial priesthood because oh, everyone, yeah. everyone expects us to be religious. Yeah. Right. Like you wear a collar. And I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel way more comfortable if I'm wearing a collar talking about religion than not, because if you're wearing a collar, everybody assumes that you're, that you're a religious guy. It's, right. It's, right. When, it's when you're like, oh, we're talking about football. I have my buddies. and All of a sudden religion comes up and now everybody gets a little uncomfortable. That's when it's the most hard. You and I aren't in that position as much as other, other people are. Yeah. So we have one of our parishioners here at St. Jude, um, who actually goes to a different parish, but lives in our boundaries. And uh, he... <gasps> It's okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> you. In part because, um, you know, so he, he's been inviting me because he comes here occasionally and he's been inviting me to this prayer group that he started. And the first night, we've only done two so far, but it's really been one of the most powerful experiences of my priesthood because I walked in 
He's like, hey, so good to see you. And I, this man is, he's Hispanic and he's got just this deep, deep faith in Christ. And every single other person in that room has zero faith in Christ. Hmm. And it was one of the most inspiring things to see 10 other men who are not interested in Jesus at all, but they like Jose. Right. And Jose is a good man. He's a normal guy. He's, he actually works as a, a professional like wine trader. Nice. So he knows his alcohol. He's got like a giant, huge wine <laughs> thing. And so right. like afterwards we drink and have a good right. time, smoke a cigar. And he's like, all right, guys. We're going to pray the rosary, and here's how you pray it. Let's, like, let's start with the Hail Mary and the Our Father. I got these sheets for you. You know how to you know, do this, and here's how you, you meditate. Awesome. And, and it's beautiful. And the first time, you know, afterwards, Jose's like, all right, guys, you know, we, we finished the rosary. What do you guys think about that? Like, and one guy said, you know, I was, I was 10 miles from the Lord. Now I'm about five miles from the Lord. Nice. And I'm like, that's actually huge progress, right? Yeah. And because he's a normal guy, and he's, all of his friends are pagans. Right. And I don't say that derisively. I say that, you know. Descriptively, yeah. Descriptively, you know, it's. And that's inspirational. But I think the key, one of the keys is you can't do that because you can't give what you don't have mm-hmm. unless you personally are right. so deeply committed to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're going to get swept away with the world. You might have the best intentions. I'm going to go Absolutely. evangelize and you get swept away into the, right. the culture itself. Absolutely. So what, like, if you're a lay person, maybe a married person in the world, what do you think is a solid prayer life? What do you think is a solid you know, liturgical how do you nourish that? Yeah, well, liturgical is, the, I think, the easier one, right? Like, go to Mass every Sunday on Holy Days of Obligation. The bare minimum, you have to do be doing that, right? Um, the church requires confession once a year. I think we could probably pump those numbers up a little bit if you're trying to really, if you're really, <laughs> no, if you're really trying to follow Jesus, then we should be doing more than that. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't presume to make, give somebody prayer advice, I, I, don't, I don't think. Um, except to say that, like, you do have to pray. Um, and that doesn't just mean an Our Father before bed or like a rosary on your way to work. It means like actual trying to like dialogue with the Lord, like praying through the Bible, um, spiritual readings, um, silence, big one, right? Um, yeah. As best you can. And if that best you can means 15 minutes while you're waiting for your, for your kids to get ready in the morning. Like that's as best you can. And that's great. Um, and make your whole life a prayer, right? Like we... we, we, we um, we hear that like, oh, pray without ceasing. We don't realize what it means, but like anything you do, if it's done with the intention of offering it to God, and if it's done well and honorably and justly, can be a prayer. Absolutely. So, you know, um, in terms of like, you know, um, I don't want to have to wait in this long line, but I'm going to do it patiently and I'm not going to complain even in my own mind, offering that up for the souls in purgatory, that's a prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're saying before you work out, God, I offer you this workout, like, yeah. By it, sanctify me in the world. That's a prayer. Right. Right. Like be, be you are, here's, here's, we were talking about this earlier. Um, everybody listening to my voice, well, every baptized person is, is a priest, is a kingdom priest. And by that priesthood, you actually have the power to sanctify the world. Not in the same way Father Joseph does, but you do have the, you do have the, not just the, the ability to, but the responsibility to pray for the world and sanctify it by doing so. So make your whole life a prayer that sanctifies the world around you. Pray for people, offer things during your day that are frustrating to you for other people's conversions. You know, that's, that's how what I would say. Right. What would you say? Yeah, I would say embracing, embracing the, the duties that come with your vocation and embracing yeah. them generously and wholeheartedly, right? Yeah. So, you know, cleaning that dirty diaper is incredibly sanctifying when you do it out of love, right? Right. I mean, I've, that's one thing that I've had to learn as a pastor. You know, so many priests, when they become pastors, they're like, oh, I hate this because now I have all this administrative business. I have to worry about gutters and boilers and this and that. But the way I looked at it is, you know, if I'm a father of a family, I have to clean out my gutters, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's an act of love for my family because right. I want to take care of the material needs to, to make sure they have a nice house and place to live. It's not just, you know, love has to be concretized in very concrete ways. And yeah. So embracing the concrete demands of your vocation, embracing them generously. So whether that is cooking dinner, 
cleaning the house. You know, it, it may not look like much, but doing it with as much generosity as you can, and you you will sanctify yourself in a deep way. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, like talking especially to parents for a moment, but really anybody, like um, be as generous with your time as you can be. And be more generous as you have more of it. So, like, if you have three kids who are like, you know, in fifth grade, you probably have a very limited amount of free time. Three kids in fifth grade or triplets. Three, three wow, kids, that's three <laughs> kids. Let's you know, yeah, three kids who are around that's in, busy. Gra- in grade school, or whatever. So, yeah, but that would be even worse, right? But like, um, <laughs> be be as generous as with your time as you can be. Bearing in mind that you probably can't be that generous. But like, now my kids are in college, or my kids are in high school, and they can drive themselves, or they don't need me as much. I have an extra three hours in my week. I'm going to volunteer with this ministry or with youth group or with bringing community to the sick or helping the poor, like whatever it is, be generous with your time and then take whatever ministry God offers to you seriously. Yeah. So if you're going to minister to kids, um, like know about the faith, like um, if you're going to minister, bring, if you're going to visit the sick, be friendly and hospitable, like take ministry seriously because you are ministering now. You are a minister in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's one thing that's always amazed me. And, and I don't mean any judgment at this, but just an obs- observation, you know, having worked with thousands of families over the years, it amazes me how sometimes like families, like parents with two kids can get totally overwhelmed while parents with six kids can handle it all. But don't you just pawn off the younger ones and the older ones at you that do. point? <laughs> that does help. Yeah. That does help. I mean, if, you have, if you have six kids and you have a six-year-old, you probably have a 12-year-old somewhere running around. You least, do. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, I one of our listeners has 11 kids. She's mm-hmm. a very faithful listener. And, and it amazes me because, you know, you know, she's got her kids are, uh, I guess her oldest is like 27. Her youngest is four. Yes, you know, so it's pretty pretty wide age range, age range, and so the four year old always has someone to hang out with, someone to play with, someone to watch. But even despite the fact that she has eleven kids, she's actually very she volunteers quite a bit at the parish. Nice. She um, she works at the school um, running what she calls the Society of Mother Teresa, which is kind of a, a, does does a bunch of corporate works and mercy and feeds the hungry. And we just nice. finished a turkey drive for hmm. Thanksgiving, and and um, you know here's somebody who. Is insanely busy, right. but but also needs to have a mission that's bigger than her family. And I think that's important too. That the lay people need to have a mission bigger than your family. You know, family absolutely gets your family to heaven. That's your number one mission, without a doubt. But it helps, especially I think, it helps the kids to see that there's a wider world out there that we can serve. So whether yeah. it's as a family volunteering at the parish or volunteering for the parents in youth ministry or teaching CCD or 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 just something in the in the neighborhood in the right. community. Right. And if you think, oh, I don't have time for that. Just remember the parable um, of the woman, of the poor woman who gave the few coins she had, versus the very rich man who gave out of his abundance, and which sacrifice Jesus valued more, right? Um, we always think of it in terms of money, but if you have very little free time, that means that the time you do offer to God will be valued much, much more. Yeah, and be very, very grateful for it, and it will be sanctifying for you and for the world. And I think you know a lot of times people will ask me, not so much parents anymore, because I think they're scared of the question, but people will ask me, well, what can we do to promote vocations to the priesthood? <laughs> You know, parents, parents are not interested in that anymore, sadly. Um, yeah, but how, how, how could prevent vocations of the priesthood might be their question? Yeah, some, some of them, yeah. How can I head this off? Yeah. Some of them. <laughs> but, I mean, the answer is, you know, first of all, live your vocation generously. Because yeah. if you're open to life and you have mm-hmm. six or seven kids, then... Yeah. Good chances. There's a good, pretty yeah. good chance you're yeah, a numbers game at that called. point, yeah. And, you know, and also you don't feel as sad when one of them sure. chooses it. Because you're like, okay, I got grandkids from the other ones, right? Right. But also when the parents have a bigger view of like, okay, it's not just about mm-hmm. making my family happy. It's about really how can we serve the world. That instills that, that idea of service. And, and I, I'll, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second, which I do so well. Do it. So, I hate service hours. Yeah, like mandatory service hours that that a lot of high schools do and confirmation classes. The priest in the diocese told me that they were the work of the devil once, and I think he's probably right. Because because it 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 puts service in for you're doing service for all the wrong reasons. You're not doing it out of love. You're doing it out of 
got to check the box. And then once I'm done 25, I'm done. I don't have to serve anymore. No, no, no. As a Christian, it's an attitude of service. It's like, I'm here to, here to make the world, sorry, the better, a better place. I hate that phrase, but oh, still. That's true. That's that that right? literally one of our jobs. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's because <laughs> yeah. you know, even though we have this eternal perspective, we still have to take care of the physical needs of this world. And that's how we become yeah. holy. So interesting topic. Yeah. And, and it's a topic for all of our listeners, uh, most of whom are laity. So if you're among the laity, embrace your God-given role. Sanctify yourself so you can sanctify society, which means loving your family, doing the daily duties with generous hearts, and, uh, and not being afraid to look out for a mission that God has placed on your heart where you can make a real difference. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. God bless. Goodbye.